What's going on, family? Happy Monday, and welcome to another edition of the Faction Quick Hits. It's your man, GB Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. Fresh off of Super Bowl weekend, you might have a Super Bowl hangover, or quite frankly, you may want to forget about the Super Bowl. Either way, we're going to talk a little bit about its impact to the world of pro wrestling and a lot of other great content. So stay tuned for that. Shout out to everybody joining us by way of social media, Instagram. Facebook and Twitter at The Faction Show. It's great to have you on board with us. Shout out to everybody who's joining us by way of podcast, of course, wherever you're listening to us. We appreciate you. If you're not already subscribed, do me a favor, click the subscribe button, rate us, and leave a comment for us as well. We would absolutely appreciate that. And it allows others to see and hear what you and so many others think about this podcast. Okay, so there's a lot of wrestling news to jump into. And I want to first start, of course, with the Wednesday Night Wars. Yeah, we were supposed to have a show for Friday. We apologize for that. So I got a lot of stuff to get in here. And I'm going to do my best to do that. NXT AEW. Here's how that went down. Of course, Wednesday night was a big night in content for both organizations as NXT welcomed the Royal Rumble winner on the men's side of things, Edge, who made his very, very, very first appearance inside an NXT ring. That was exciting as, you know, we now wonder, will he challenge for the WWE Championship, the Universal Championship, or the NXT Championship. All of them offer some really unique opportunities. We also saw further advancement in both the men and women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. On the AEW side of things, we saw AEW's first wedding, which eh, there's mixed reviews about. But of course, the ending of AEW is what everybody is talking about. And let's just jump right to it because AEW defeats NXT one more time. AEW picked up 110,000 viewers compared to last week pulling out 844,000 viewers, while AEW actually lost 110,000 viewers, drawing 610,000 viewers compared to 720,000 the week before. So it's a very rare moment when you see the exact number of people jump from one show to another. 100,000 viewers, 110,000 viewers, I should say. That's a lot of people. A lot of people. And so uh, shout out to AEW for figuring it out and gathering people's attention. And certainly the ending blew people away as Kenta, the number one contender for the IWGP US Championship, shows up in AEW for the first time, attacking John Moxley, bringing out all sorts of questions for all of us. Bottom line is, I think we got ourselves a relationship between AEW and New Japan. And that opens the floodgates for the possibilities here in the world of pro wrestling. Now, let's just acknowledge it. There's never been a time in the world of pro wrestling that we have seen something like this happen before. Sure, during the Monday Night Wars, we had WCW and WWE and ECW throwing some sprinkles in the mix and people jumping from one spot to another. But you did not have a scenario where, say, WWE and ECW and some other organization were clearly all working together. We found out later, of course, that WWE was helping to fund some elements of ECW and allow some of the ECW talent to end up on Monday Night Raw. But 
Nothing like what we're seeing with AEW establishing a working relationship with the NWA, with Impact Wrestling, and now with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Whew. And the questions and possibilities are endless, right? So did Kenta hop onto AEW just for the U.S. Championship situation? Or is that to help a fellow Bullet Club member? Is Bullet Club really good between New Japan and Impact Pro Wrestling? And AEW and now Impact? Uh, and just where does all this fall? I think the questions and the possibilities are endless. And does this ultimately lead to what many are calling a dream match right now that we could possibly see? I don't know at Wrestle Kingdom next year between the AEW world champion Kenny Omega and the IWGP heavyweight champion Kota Ibushi. It's a story that writes itself, folks. So I'm intrigued to see what will happen if they'll take advantage of that opportunity because, quite frankly, I'm not sure of what WrestleMania match could really top the potential of Ibushi and Omega for both titles. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too far ahead. Either way, needless to say, I'm very excited about the concept of AEW and New Japan finally working together. Boy, is this going to change some things for the world of pro wrestling. The SmackDown report, SmackDown, of course, took place this past Friday night, uh, drawing in 2.126 million viewers, which is actually down uh, about 102,000 viewers from the previous week where they pulled in 2.228 million viewers. It was our first opportunity to see and hear from the Women's Royal Rumble winner, Bianca Belair, and uh, to see her in the ring with both Carmella and Sasha Banks. I'm just telling you now, I'm putting it out there, I think we're going to see Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair at WrestleMania for the SmackDown Women's Championship, obviously the most high-profile SmackDown Women's title match in WWE history. I think it's going to be incredible. The promos are going to be amazing. They're going to put in some good, good work for WrestleMania. That's my initial thought on that. I also think that the Women's Championship on Raw will see Asuka, not against Charlotte, but against Rhea Ripley. I think that's going to be the match we want to see. And uh, a lot of possibilities. I believe it's a first-time kind of match as well, uh, which is going to be great. It's going to be great. Great potential for WrestleMania. I am a little surprised at these numbers for SmackDown on the heels of such a big Royal Rumble. Edge appeared, of course. The potential of him and Roman Reigns is kind of exciting. Kevin Owens is still in the picture. They did a lot of great storytelling, I feel, on SmackDown. And, you know, this is where, again, I say WWE, one thing that's really good about them is they are not reactive when it comes to these ratings. They just keep putting out content and eventually the ratings will show up as they should, as we saw certainly with the Monday Night War. Speaking of WWE, they have released Steve Cutler. Steve Cutler, one third of the team formerly known as the Forgotten Son. Of course, that group came into a lot of controversy considering uh, the racial statements of one Jackson Riker. They split the team up, took them off of TV, put two of them, of course, with Baron Corbin, put Jackson Riker with Elias. Uh, I will say this, and I think this is of great importance. I think it is high time that there are consequences for people who make strong 
offensive racial statements or statements about homophobia, etc. I just think it's high time that companies and corporations really decide to make a move about this type of thing. I don't think it was enough to just split those guys up. Even though some of them tried to distance themselves from Jackson Riker, to me, and again, I'm not really sure the reasoning behind Steve Cutler's firing, but I will say this, the one who really should have been released was Jackson Riker. Why he's still floating around in WWE is beyond me, considering how Vince McMahon has stated on record his thoughts on racism and how there's not a place for it in WWE. Maybe that was true 20 years ago during the Attitude Era and it's not true now. I don't know. But I do know this, the fact that it took months for Lars Sullivan to be released and he was released quietly. The fact that Jackson Riker just get pairs up with Elias and there's no real repercussions for this type of activity is bothersome. To me, the folks in country music are making a difference and they're saying, hey, you know what, Morgan Wallen, you might have the number one album, but we're not going to stand by and continue to support you while you use racial slurs on video. But not everybody feels like that which is probably the conundrum that WWE is in because just like Morgan Wallen has had sales skyrocket since the acknowledgement of him using that racial epithet, uh, we see WWE continuing to push certain folks and people are getting behind them. So I don't understand it, but I do think it's important that something is done. Now, I don't want to create even more controversy, but I will say this. If you guys have been watching how WWE has treated Black History Month, you know, usually there's some acknowledgement of it from a perspective of, you know, we focus on contribution of a particular wrestler, uh, perhaps contributions even in the larger culture for African-Americans. This week, there was a video maybe a 30 to 60 second video where folks were reading quotes. What are we doing? I, I'd almost rather there not be an acknowledgement of Black History Month than a poor acknowledgement of Black History Month. On the AEW side, they are selling a certain Cody shirt with all the proceeds going to a civil rights organization, which I think is really, really cool. I... Uh, I just want WWE to do better with scenarios like this. And speaking of WWE, they, like the rest of the world, were watching the Super Bowl last night where Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. They defeat, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs 31 to 9. Tom Brady gets his seventh Super Bowl ring, his fifth Super Bowl MVP award. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the fact that in two months' time, WrestleMania will be at the same said stadium that the Super Bowl was at, Raymond James Stadium. WWE was watching primarily to see how the NFL would handle things, right? Now, the NFL brought 25,000 people into Raymond James Stadium last night, which included 7,500 vaccinated workers. A lot of people who watched were just saying like, oh my God, there are a ton of people at the Super Bowl. Well, realize that there were over 30,000 cutouts as well to allow the arena to uh, optically look full. But there were more cutouts in the arena than there were actual people. Now, I know there were questions about, you know, uh, the parties and all those types of things. I think WWE is going to have an interesting task ahead of them. And that is this. They can only be responsible 
for what happens under their auspices, okay? So they have to figure out what COVID guidelines they're going to put in place and what they can do to actually ensure that people are still six feet apart, that there's great social distancing, that there's not a lot of touching, that there's not a lot of, you know, spit flying, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know how they're going to do this. I don't know how they're going to configure the arena to have 30,000 people in the stadium and still somehow make it look full. Like maybe they could go the route of, you know, what some of the old uh, wrestling events would do when they were in baseball stadiums and things like that. Show the fact that you have people socially distanced. But for a company that has not want to publicly acknowledge the presence of COVID, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this. And it's a two-night event. I think WrestleMania has to be shorter than it's traditionally been. If they go the route of last year with it being three hours each night, that makes sense. But they also have to figure out, okay, how long are we going to be there? What are we going to do to ensure that fans don't necessarily touch each other or touch the wrestlers? I mean, think about it. So much about the interaction between fans and wrestlers is what makes WrestleMania work. So I want to find out from you, After watching the Super Bowl last night, do you think it's a wise move for WWE to have people at WrestleMania this year? And what do you think they have to do to ensure its safety? Let's talk about that by way of social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. Shout out to everybody who joins us on the SHW podcast or on the SHW pre-show. If you missed the pre-show where we previewed our big show this past Friday night, you can go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Southern Honor Wrestling where you can also check out the pictures from this Friday night's event. It was crazy. Trust me when I tell you. So go ahead Check that out. And if you're not subscribed to independentwrestling.tv, do that. Uh, You can subscribe by going to independentwrestling.tv. Use the promo code SHW. Get your first five days for free. You can check out the entire catalog of Southern Honor Wrestling and a ton of other great wrestling promotions as well. So you can definitely check that out. And I know that SHW24 will be up this week, so you'll be able to check it out. All right, we're going to get out of here. Uh, until next time, family, it's your man GB Gerard Bonner representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. Collectively, we are the faction. Have a great day.